Welcome to the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brian Russell, and today it's my privilege to have on the show Rich Lewis. Rich is the author of the book, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. Rich is an author, speaker, and a coach, and he focuses on centering prayer as a means of inner transformation. He teaches centering prayer in both his local and virtual community and offers one-on-one coaching. You're going to really enjoy this episode as, as Rich helps us to both experience what centering prayer is if you're a beginner, and he also has tips on how to deepen your practice if you're a long-time practitioner or someone who's somewhere in the middle of those things. I really enjoyed meeting Rich, and I trust that his words will be helpful for you. You can also find out more about him at silenceteaches.com. Let's jump into the show. Hey, Rich. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being on today. Thanks. Thanks for reaching out to me. Uh, glad to uh, talk to you today. Can you briefly share some key moments in your spiritual journey that led you to practice centering prayer and then writing a book on it and even doing some coaching using centering prayer? Sure. Um, I I guess I had always been attracted to silence. and I had read a lot about silence and the transforming power of silence by Carl McCullman. He wrote about it in a lot of his books. So this is probably in 2010, 2011. But I just didn't know what, and I don't remember him saying what. I, now I I know he does practice centering prayer, but he never really called out a practice in his books. So I just thought it was powerful and transforming, and I ought to try it. So I would just practice a minute or two of it at a time. And back then it was it was, for me it was brutally difficult. I would set a timer for one or two minutes, and and forced myself to do it. And I heard it was extremely trans transforming and powerful. And I kind of continued at it, dabbling in it. But then in late 2013, I was perusing Amazon for a book to read, and I stumbled across uh, Amos Smith's book, Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. And in his book, two things jumped out at me. One, he talked about centering prayer as a silent prayer practice. And that really intrigued me because I realized there's like a container for the silence, and this is what I can do in the silence. And in his book, he also talked about what he called the Jesus Paradox, um, Jesus being God and human at once. So I reached out to him on his website, on his contact page, and he quickly responded, and we began a back-and-forth dialogue, and we've actually become friends since then. So I found Centering Prayer just because I wanted to look for a book to read on Amazon, and I found his book and began reading it, and it had Centering Prayer in it, and it was a practice I could do in the silence. And it just seemed to stick with me and work well. And and I began learning more about it. Um, So I began practicing it seriously in June. I don't know what's magical about the date, June 1, 2014. I decided to jump in the Centering Prayer swimming pool and do what Contemplative Outreach Thomas Keating um, says, two sits, 20 minutes a day. And I haven't really looked back. So as much as possible, I try to practice. I start my day with a 20-minute sit, and then I usually have a second sit um, in the early afternoon, and and I've been doing it on a daily basis. So that's how I found Centering Prayer. It just stumbled into it. And then in terms of my book, because you asked about the book, how, how did that come about? 
that was a Amos Smith actually encouraged me to write a book because we had become friends with our dialogue. And I first began working with him on his website in 2014. And I, he said, why don't you take Monday? My meditation is Thursdays and you can have a weekly meditation off my site. And I helped him with some of his social media. And then he just encouraged me. He said, why don't you write a book on centering prayer from your perspective? You know, I, I wrote a book on more than just centering prayer, but it was more from my standpoint. And at that time, he was a pastor of the, of the United Church of Christ. And it, his book was more academic. And he said, why don't you write something from your perspective? And he challenged me. So um, I took him up on it. So that's, that's how the book came about. So I stumbled across Centering Prayer on Amazon. And then it was Amos Smith through our friendship encouraging me, I think you got something to say why don't you write a book? And he, he helped me, you know, through that process had, had, you know, he mentored me through the book writing process and editing and approaching publishers and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's how it all happened. <laughs> and beyond, beyond Amos Smith, I mean, that's, that's a, uh, that's a popular name. Who, who have been some of your other mentors? Um, and you've met some of these people, but what, who are some of the, your favorite authors around centering prayer that whether you've met them in person or you've read their resources that have really kind of helped you to grow and cultivate your own practice. Right. Right. And I think you're referring to, obviously on my website, I, I was fortunate to meet Richard Rohr and, and that was more Amos. <laughs> he had set that up. We actually, cool. Amos, Amos Smith and I, we met in uh, back in 2016 at a, a, uh, forgetting the name, it was a retreat center at Hermitage, if I'm saying the word right, for kind of a four day four day four long nights and Richard Rohr was near there and he knew Richard Rohr and Richard Rohr had endorsed some of his books so he simply reached out to Richard Rohr and asked if we could visit and Richard Rohr said yes so I went along for the visit it was a 90-day visit so um, that was the very neat, nice gentleman. What you see when you meet him in person is exactly if, if you listen to podcasts that he's on or YouTube videos he's the same nice wonderful person. I remember driving up in, in parking in his driveway and he just came out and greeted us and was made a funny comment to me because we both had the name Richard. So um, obviously he's been a big influence on my contemplative prayer life and then other authors. So as I began practicing Centering Prayer, you know, I read Cynthia Bourgeau, her book, Centering Prayer and Inner, Inner Awakening. Um, she was a big influence. And Thomas Keating's book, you know, Open Mind, Open Heart, if I'm saying the name, I don't know if it's open heart, open mind, or open mind, open heart, but those two words in the title, those two books were really the first two books I read. So I would consider them mentors because I read them to understand what is centering prayer, what happens during centering prayer. And then, and then even David Frenette, The Path of Centering Prayer, um, is an excellent book. And I went back and read it because it's more for deepening your practice. And I, re I read it as I was more a beginner of Centering Prayer. But then I really needed to go back and, and read it. And I did later when for deepening your practice, because he talks a lot about contemplative attitudes to, to take. So those those three were, were strong mentors from a standpoint of hearing them on podcasts or, or reading their books. You know, So Cynthia Bourgeau, Thomas Keating, David Frenette. Um, were definitely you know good mentors, and 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 one other gentleman. I don't know if he necessarily practices centering prayer, but Martin Laird, um, into the silent land. Um, he's he's kind of a hidden gem. He he's his books, the way he writes so eloquently about silence and what happens in silence. 
with his the with his spin is, is just neat. He's, he's written kind of it's like a tri, tri, uh, three books um, into the silent land, um, sunlit a sunlit absence and an ocean of light, or three or three of his books that he wrote, you know, in that order. And he has a neat way of talking about silence. So. That's, those are four people that have really been a strong influence on me just from their readings and when I've listened to them on podcasts. In your, in your own work, um, I know that before we got on, you, 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 were, you were working in the financial uh, services industry. Um, how open are folks that um, in, in, your, in your life that maybe how open, do you, how do you share Centering Prayer with people like say in a corporate setting and how open have you found you know, maybe people you work with without, you know, without saying too much that would break any kind of confidence? Have you found there's an openness in like a secular environment for, uh, for Centering Prayer over against like we know mindfulness is pretty popular? Do you, have you found an openness in the, in like a, in the, in the business culture for, uh, for Centering Prayer and contemplative practices? I would say there is, and I'll give you two, two examples. So pre-COVID, I, I practiced centering prayer during the workday. So I would leave my cubicle and sit oh, okay. and do my second sit in my car. So I actually had a few people ask me, we noticed you're leaving your desk every day. And we're just curious what you're doing. They were, we were just friends and fr friendly conversation. So I shared with them what I was doing and they, they thought it was interesting. And, you know, one of them wanted to learn more. So I talked to her more about what is centering prayer and how do you do it? So I think they were intrigued that he's doing something. He seems to be doing it every day. We notice he, and we all sit in the same aisle. So everybody kind of notices the coming and goings of people. So I was asked what I was doing. So I told them, I shared it. And, and one of them, you know, was more interested than the others. I don't know whether she took it up as a practice. Um, and then the other thing, now that we're working from home, which I've been working from home really for the last year, my peers saw the book. So I had people naturally reach Ooh. out to me and or congratulate me that they thought it was neat that I published a book and, and they asked me questions about it. And even my boss was sharing it with her peers. So people, word was getting around that it's pretty neat that you know he's doing his day job, but this gentleman wrote a book. So there was they were just curious, and they they found it kind of fascinating. So um, I don't know if I if anyone has started a practice as a result of it, but I think it really intrigued them that I was what I did on the outside was very interesting to them, and people were congratulating me or just asking me more questions. You know, how did you do that? How did you go about do that? Uh, when was it published? And just curious questions. Yeah, thank you. And I, yeah, because I, I know at least I found that during the COVID lockdown, I mean, I, I don't know if you observed this or not, you probably saw this in your own life, but uh, folks that I knew that were had a, had a, already had a centering prayer practice going, especially pastors that I, that I work with, they tended to, I won't say thrive in 2020, but you know everything changed and pastors were doing all this extra stuff. They've put their stuff up online and there's a lot of real anxiety. But I noticed the folks that were that had a centering prayer practice managed to, you know, it's still tough last year at some level, but they had a um, they had access to um, to grace that perhaps that other persons didn't, and they 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 found a way that. Uh, allowed them to be their best self. I mean, you know, it's one of the things I like. I love how you, 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 your subtitle, your book, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. At some level, um, the contemplative practices, that was exactly what maybe the world needed last year and still needs as we begin to come out of this pandemic. Have you seen any kind of any, any, any evidence or that might verify that in your own context? 
I mean, it was for even for me. I mean, it, it was much yeah. needed. I I needed centering prayer more than ever during COVID, just because it was a very very anxious time. We didn't know what to expect. We were everything was getting shut down, locked down, and and it was a very anxious time. We didn't know what was what was going to happen, um, and when when was this when is this going to end? So more than ever, we we needed a, a practice such as this, particular for for me, and then I, and I think people in general um, needed something. It it can, it slows you down, just like during centering prayer, you let go of thoughts and emotions. Well, outside of centering prayer, we need to we very much needed to let go of a lot of anxiety and then t- open up and take action. What are the actions I can take, and what can't? What actions? What things do I need to let go of because they're not serving me? They're not helping me. And what what are the actions I can hone in and focus in on in this pandemic? Yeah. And when 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 you share your centering prayer practice with uh, other with other Christians, do you find that there's some misconceptions about what centering prayer and maybe contemplative practices, or if we start talking about like silent meditative prayer, do you do you find that that raises red flags for some people? And 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 what are some ways that you've helped people to say, hey, you know, this is a great way uh, of accessing God, or a different way of accessing God than you may have heard through you know t- traditional channels, if you will. No, I, and I've been asked that very question. You know, this is new agey, or or yeah. this is just meditation, or it's not biblical, or and it's not prayer. And 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 what I usually tell them is is really two things. I mean, one, yes, it is meditation. It's a practice, but it's more than a practice. It's a relationship with God, because during centering mm-hmm. prayer, you know, we let go and we open to the presence and actions of God within. So I tell them it's it's not just meditation for me and for centering prayer practitioners. It's a relationship with God, and we're opening up to a God who loves us, and we're letting. I think of it as reverse prayer during this time. I'm getting out of the way, and God is praying in me, and and only God knows what I need um, during this silent sit. So that's what I like to tell people. And then and then I and then for the people that say it's not biblical. I, that one is easy. I mean, there's there's so much reference to silence in the Bible, but be still and know I'm God. And then just Jesus himself going off um, to be alone. And we and I can remind people, we don't think he babbled all the time. We think he was silent some of the time and just sitting with God, particularly if he fasted, if he fasted for long periods of time, he can't, he's got to, he had to conserve his energy. So he probably was silent. So I, I like to share those thoughts with people as well, and then let them think about it. If they don't, if they don't like any of that, there's not much I can do. But I at least share to them that it has a tradition. Silence has a tradition, and it it goes all the way back to Jesus. Yeah, uh, that's good. So thank you. And what um, why do you think God uses silence and solitude to form us? What have you learned in your own life about that? You said you were attracted to silence and, um, you know, you have, um, so why, why does God use silence? I would say two things really. I mean, one, it transforms us. I mean, and you don't know that until you do it. So you have to try a silent prayer practice, such as centering prayer and over time, see how it changes you. So it transforms you. It clearly has transformed me. Yeah. Um, and, and it helps you become your true self. I, I believe we're, you're getting yourself out of the way and you're becoming your true self, which is really the person God wants you to be. 
but that's and it's not an end point it's it's a journey so while i'm living on this earth i'm continuously sitting with god getting myself out of the way and let god pray in me you know, the things or actions i should be doing on a daily basis um to be my true self so it's it's very transforming practice and everybody i can only speak for myself so so for me i have much more confidence and i seem to get wisdom for tasks outside of centering prayer much they seem to come quicker and i seem to get nudges to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things and i seem to just be more calm and I seem to be less reactive and, so, and more willing to listen to someone than ready to start an argument. So I, I've, I've noticed that type of stuff and inner peace and more inner joy and more kind of honing in on the present moment. I've noticed that about myself. And I think others that practice centering prayer over a lo the long haul will notice things as well that it does to them. So it, it transforms you and, and you if you allow it to, it helps you become the person God wants you to be. Now, that's really powerful. And thanks for the, the testimony, too. And I can attest to many of the same things that you, you, just, uh, you just shared. When you use the language uh, true self, so you have the subtitle of your book, I mean, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer, and you just testified to, to, to some of that. What um, what does it mean uh, to discover your true self? And um, how are... In, yeah, yeah. So I just like to curious, how do you how do you use the phrase to true self? And what do you mean by that? And maybe help somebody who hasn't heard that language um, understand what that means. Sure. And, and I know. And, and that can be difficult to understand. I, I guess I have. Uh, obviously, I say that my true self is who I think God wants me to be. Well, then the next question is, well, how do you know that's what God wants you to be? So for me, my barometer <laughs> is. And I'm and I'm a, and I'll, I'm a big believer in affirmations, and yeah. so these are simple one-sentence statements in areas of my life. You know, whether it's physical health, mental health, career, family, financial, spiritual. These are usually one, single sentences of what I want to do. But then my barometer of these are things God wants me to to do are well the first thing i do is i read this list and it's about 15 sentences long i read them to myself interiorly before my centering prayer sit and then i go into my centering prayer sit and let everything go including my affirmations and then i'm constantly looking at my affirmations on a daily basis so if i still have my if I still have inner peace about them, mm -hmm. if they still excite me, even if they're outside of my comfort zone, because really the best way to grow is getting outside of your comfort zone. And then as long as they don't harm me or harm others, it's something I should continue to move forward on. But then once it becomes something that doesn't really excite me anymore, and I don't feel at peace with it, or maybe it's not helpful to me, or maybe it's not really helpful, or, or it's not, or it's harming someone, then it comes off my list. So that's, that's my barometer of the things that I do to become my true self. So I'm constantly bringing them to God and letting them go to God in my centering prayer sit. So every day, God and I look at my true self affirmation list, I'll call it at least twice a day, and make sure we both we both agree. If it's not too personal, could you like just share one example of what an affirmation would sound like off of that list? Is that uh, is that fair to ask? Yeah, that is. That, let me pull go into. I'm really, my... I'm really interested in that because I, I I talk we talk I, I talk in some other 
context about um, positive um, self-talk and you know like one of my favorite ones is lord help me believe the truth about myself no matter how beautiful it is i got that from uh, another person but i, I mean I, I like the power of affirmations i think that'd be really helpful for our listeners sure um well, here's a, here's a new one, because I was reading a, a gentleman's name. Paul Edwards wrote a book. I was on a Zoom call with him a couple of weeks ago. And from his book, he talks a lot about being an entrepreneur. So it kind of caught my attention where I, I simply state, I'm a radically generous entrepreneur. Okay. And, that, yeah. and, and then for me, then I know that means it's, it means I want to help people. So if I'm speaking with someone and I hear them tell me something, I might be able to help them. So maybe I introduce them to somebody that I know that can help them with that. So if, if they need to get on a podcast, for example, I introduce them to someone who will probably will take them. Or if they're interested in writing a book, I'll introduce them to my editor with my editor's permission. So that type of stuff is what I mean by, so if I say I'm a radically generous entrepreneur, I'm thinking these are the types of things I need to do. It's not all about me, me, me. It's about yeah. you know, helping people that I come across. So that would be one, that, you know, one example. Um, and so then when you take it to the centering prayer, you're again sitting in silence then, and then it's almost like an invitation for God to sort of unpack that. And, um, and you're surrendering that in, in the context of the silence and then, perhaps God shifts that in some way for you? Is that kind of um, how, the, how your process goes or you get the, the very things that kind of churn up during the centering prayer, you're releasing those. And then that gives you some type of insight about how to rewrite or, uh, or to rethink those. Is that how that works for you then your kind of practice? Pretty much. I mean, I'm reading them, going yeah. into my practice, letting go and then obviously during the practice, I'm not doing any planning right, right, or plotting. Right. Um, but out, I, I just figure outside of the process, any inner nudges I have on an, an idea on how I can do something like be a generous entrepreneur, I'll do, or, or some, something may just pop into my head that, oh, this person needed help in this area. And I, and I think I can easily connect him with this person. So I, I can send an introduction email, for example, and introduce the two people and help someone in that matter, as other people have helped me, quite frankly. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I just love that, that the practicality of that whole thing. So thank you. I'm really glad I asked that. So thanks for sharing that out of your own, out of your own list. So when, when a person sits in silence, <clears throat> they're getting down to the, the actual business. And, you know, like you said, you jumped in all in to two 20 minute sessions. You also mentioned it was kind of funny because I did the same thing. I'm, I'm very much a type A person. So I'd like, it used to take me, it would almost kill me to do a minute when I first started. I just remember that. And then I finally just did the plunge and went all the way to 20 and that's been so wonderful. But um, beyond just that, overcoming the initial like, wow, my brain's just going crazy when I'm doing the, um, when I first start doing this, the, 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 the sits, um, what, what are common blocks that you find that you help people to move through when they're um, trying to start or maintain or even deepen a centering prayer practice? Sure. I mean, some people say, I don't have the time. And I'll argue, you know, I'll argue with him. You won't believe me until you try it. But I, I believe, and I've seen it in my life. It has a way of giving me back time. Yeah. So that's one excuse people will say is I don't have the time. And I'll and I'll tell them there was a couple of years ago at work was very chaotic, and and I was pulling my hair out quite frankly, and I didn't know how I was going to get through all the work I needed to get done. So what I ended up doing was instead of doing two 20-minute sits, uh, I added a third, 
and shortened each one to 13 minutes each. And then I began noticing, so I would do my first sit in the morning, the second sit early afternoon, and then even another two hours later, another sit. And I began finding that, that I needed that third sit and that third sit was getting me through the day. So I, I found I needed these sits, they stopped me, they slowed me down, and then they helped me to better hone in, and, hone in and focus when I was back back to work. So I'll argue with people in a nice way that it, it, has, a, it has a miracle way of giving you back time. Trust me, just try it because outside of the practice, you're, you're just like during the practice, you're letting go and fo focusing in on God, the same thing ends up happening in your non-centering times. You're letting go of the things that won't help you so that you can focus in on what needs to be done. So I'll, I highly encourage people, I think you do have the time and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. It'll give you back time. I think some people fear because they don't want to sit with their thoughts. Yeah. And that one, and that is a tough one because for me, I don't have the floodgates aren't opened when I'm sitting in silence. But I think for some people, it can be scary because they begin releasing repressed emotions or they begin, they can sit with themselves and that's scary. So that one, you, you just have to tell them to trust the process, that it, that's okay, that a lot of these thoughts are coming out. And in fact, that's very healthy and a natural part of centering prayer that you're releasing your body is a storehouse of emotions and tension, and you're actually healing yourself by allowing this to happen to you. So just to you know, push through it, it's what I tell people in, in that case. Um, and then maybe a third block, and it is a hard one for, for people that maybe their background is that God is, is not a loving God and God yeah. is judging me and God isn't happy with me. So we have to do a lot of talking about that's, that's not my God. Maybe that's your God, but God is a, is a very loving God as displayed in the actions of Jesus and that, and that God does love you. And God is very much interested in you and, and very much wants to be in your life. And God is not ever judging you. God simply loves you more than you can imagine and is delighted that you're taking this time to sit with God. But for some people that their view of God, it takes time to get to the view of, you know, what God does love me and I can trust this God and, and, and he's not angry at me. <laughs> no, that, that's, a, that's so good. And you just made, you made it uh, just crystal clear there. I, I completely resonate with um, all three of those things um, from the time to sitting with um, sometimes what's disturbing thoughts or even just boring thoughts. And then the, the whole view of God. I know, I mean, I've, taught, I've had done several episodes on Centering Prayer on this podcast and I had a couple guests on there, but I know like just even my own um, practice, um, if, if I've literally experienced um, um, really what you said. And I've, I've been a Christian most of my life. I'm 52 now. Um, I've been going to church since I was five years old, had conversion experiences, seminary, I've been a pastor, professor, the whole deal. But I, I would say that it's sitting in the Centering Prayer uh, literally experience the deepest levels of God's love. Um, it, it, not every single time, obviously, but like just these little moments where bam, and, it, and it's like, I felt like a couple, like I've said this before, I think a couple of my experiences, and again, I never, this is, doesn't happen every time. It doesn't even happen that often for me, but I would say the couple of experiences I had where it really felt like, wow, it's like, if that never happens again, I think I'm good <laughs> at some level in the sense that I, I, um, there's a theologian, he's been back from the 50s and 60s, Paul Tillich, he has a, 
my favorite um, definition of grace, it's accepting the fact that you're unconditionally accepted. And, and I've really felt like the, the silence is where I've experienced probably that highest level of grace, which is fairly ironic in my own life, given that I spent my whole life studying the Bible as a Bible professor, but the silence, um, just testify to what you said for everybody listening. That was, uh, I mean, great, great three points. And, and the time thing is, is hilariously true too, right? You've, you probably heard that. Have you ever heard that story? I think this comes out of a, maybe a more of a Buddhist context, but like the person I'm too busy to meditate. So then the person tells them, well, if you're too busy right. to do it for 10, you should do it for 20 or something like that. It's just so, but it's so true. Cause it, it is, it is. Yeah. And it, and uh, so that, that's, that's really, that's, that's just, I mean, that was a great answer. So just, so thank you for that. And yeah, Rich, can you talk about some of the dangers or if there's dangers to, uh, to contemplative practices that maybe people that are not accustomed to doing it or just starting out might run into or might face or challenges maybe we can think of? Sure. And I wouldn't say they were dangers. I would just say, you know, for some people, you know, repressed thoughts and emotions start coming up yeah. and, 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 Perhaps, and that can be very scary for some people. So, for some people, sitting in silence can be very difficult and either repress thoughts that they didn't know they had or thoughts that they don't want to think about, but you, all of a sudden you're forced to think about um, start coming up. So, not really a danger, but it's just something to be aware of. So, so, and if they're that, if they're really traumatic experiences, then, then obviously you, you can seek, you, you can practice centering prayer, but perhaps you might need a professional such as just a, a psychologist and or a psychiatrist in combination with centering prayer. If you've had a really traumatic, traumatic past that you need help with. <laughs> That's good advice. If, do you have any experience doing it with, gr with groups and seeing, um, cause sometimes groups are helpful for people if they're having, um, you know, like difficult thoughts, whatever, because they're within like a community. Have you have you had any experience doing like sits with multiple people at the same time for over a period of time? I mean, I've done centering prayer sits, I guess, online with groups yeah, so sure. and, and up to 75 people or so. And that's kind of a neat experience. Um, and I've done I was curious because Quakers, the traditional Quaker service is silent. So I wanted to understand that. So there's a, this was probably five years ago. I found a, a church near a Quaker, what they call friends meeting house near me and wanted to understand, see what it was like. So I pulled in, parked and walked into a, a house built in the 1800s and you walked into the main room and, they, and it had seating kind of that went up elevated. So I kind of sat in the fifth row elevated, so to speak. And so I had seating on both sides. And to my surprise, there was about a hundred. So I sat and I didn't know what to expect. The doors closed and then it was dead silence for 45 minutes or so. And there was about a hundred people in the room and there, and there probably was, and there was children as well. So it was very interesting. It was just dead silence. And then if someone wanted to say something, they would say something because they felt the need to. So I don't, I don't think they were necessarily practicing centering prayer, but they were silent. Then if they felt moved to share something with the group, they would speak it and then be quiet again and back to silence. And then after about 40 minutes, they announced the silent time was over and they welcomed visitors. They asked if anyone needed prayers and they talked about things they were doing outside of the silent time. So that was a neat experience, just sitting in silence with a hundred people is powerful. And even during this pandemic, I, I never, I didn't know what to expect, but I found it was just powerful to sit in silence, even via Zoom, in some cases with 75 people on this Zoom call, because um, I did some 
guest speaking at one group and there were 75 people and I you know, led them into the silence and then we were all sat in silence together for 20 minutes and then after the silence I answered their questions so it's powerful I, I just think it's something about I don't know how else to explain it other than it's really neat experience and it's to, to do it not just by yourself but it's neat to do it with others as well because in church you might have silence, but it's a moment of silence that's about 15 seconds. <laughs> so <laughs> that's right. It's 15 seconds. That seems like it lasts for five hours for some people, right? So it's it's really uh, it is it's really it's really remarkable. So, what advice would you give to someone who's listening that maybe is interested in trying out centering prayer for uh, the first time, or maybe they haven't done it for a long time? So, like, what's your advice for beginners? I would say, you know, first take baby steps. You don't need to jump right in and go for 20 minutes. You know, try one minute, two minutes, work your way up to five minutes, work your way up to 10 minutes. So work your way up, take baby steps. And, and some of the teaching I've done in churches, I, I usually will talk about centering prayer and what it is, and then we'll do a five minute sit. Mm -hmm. And most of the time people are pleasantly surprised that that went fast and they didn't expect it to, they thought it would be painful and it wasn't that bad. So I think five minutes, even five minutes is very manageable and, you, and most people are presently surprised. So take baby steps, even if it has to be one minute, work your way up, schedule it. So make it, I would say make it, for me, it's the best way to start my day. So make it the first thing you do before you do anything. So if it's a, if it's a work day and you have to work, you know, just set your alarm a little bit earlier and do your sit, then begin your day. And then on the weekends, if you don't have to work, whenever you get up, do your sit. So schedule at least one sit and have a certain time that you usually do it, whether it's the first thing you do before you begin your day. And then and try it for a month and just see what happens and even look for an online community. There's a, there's a ton of different online communities where you can do your practice. Some of them might even be daily, but many of them are weekly where you can do your practice on your own, but you can join others in an online community um, and have some nice interaction with people as well. So those are some things I would tell people. And then after a month, if you're finding this is something I think I want to keep doing, add a second sit at some point during the day and you know consider lengthening the time you sit and try to get to 20 minutes if possible for both sits. And just to now flip the question the other way. So like yourself, you've been doing uh, centering prayer. So you said since what, 20, 2014, I think is what you said. So it's almost been seven years, right? Coming up on at the beginning of June. So um, where, where do you sense your growing edges in centering prayer, maybe growth? And again, at some point, that's not the point, but it's at some level, you, um, where do you sense you are at seven years into doing at least 20 minutes every day or actually 40 minutes every day, it sounds like. And then how do you coach a person who's been doing the practice for a while to help um, them deepen their practice? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, a good question, because obviously I, I have two different types of people that, that I can coach and that I do coach. So the beginners were some of the things I just told you, you know, we start off with, you know, what is centering prayer and how do you do it and when should you do it and how long should you do it, that type of stuff. And then I have the other people that have been practicing and, and they want more. So we talk a lot about um, who is your true self and, and what does that mean? And, and I'll share, like I shared earlier 
in our interview, you know, my barometer of my true self, and I'll I'll just share people what my barometer is, and and maybe that'll help them, and they can use some variation of that and or create their own. I'll highly encourage them to journal. So I, I had a spiritual director. Um, she retired. She was probably in her 80s at the time. This was a couple of years ago. But I went once a month to see a nun at a mm. retreat center, and she was terrific spiritual director. And she had told me, there was one point I was just talking about work and I was very anxious and she slowed me down and she said, why don't you try this journaling exercise? Um, and I actually put it in the book, kind of that exact practice that I did, but she said, you know, write your name down and then journal to tell God, unload, tell God what you're anxious about and what's, what are you really feeling? And then when you're done, write the word God, would God um, react to you? What would God tell you? And at first I thought she was crazy. I said, I, I can't speak for God. No, just, just what do you think God would say? And I found it very rewarding because God was telling me things such as, you know, I love you. I don't want you to feel this way. You shouldn't feel this way. Don't you know that I'm always with you? I'm going to help you get through it. So it was, a, it was a just really, and I do this from time to time still. So journal your thoughts, but speak to God, say your thoughts to God, and then what do you think God would say to you? So that would be, that's another thing I encourage people to do. Um, we talked about affirmations and I, I think affirmations can be very helpful where you're just jotting down, what do you think God wants you to do in simple sentences um, and introduce them into your centering prayer practice. And then I just tell people simple things, you know, be kind to yourself, be gentle with yourself, forgive yourself, just trust the process. Don't judge your sit. There's no such thing as a bad sit. Uh, you can't fail at centering prayer. The only way you can fail is if you don't show up. And even if you don't show up, forgive yourself. God was delighted. God will patiently wait for you for the next sit. So those are some of the things I, I, I do for myself, and I, and I like to encourage other people to do as well. That's really, that's really helpful. So you've mentioned... Um, it's, and this is one of the questions, but I, I should have asked, I should have put this in the, in the list. You've mentioned you do affirmations. Um, you know, you just mentioned being kind to yourself. You have your, um, your scheduled sits, especially the first one. What other rhythms, and you mentioned journaling. So like, what other kind of rhythms do you have set up for yourself that, that really let you, when you go to work or whether you're working, you know, coaching somebody in centering prayer or spending time with your family, like, what fuels you kind of as like a daily rhythm sort of practices that you use some um, that supplements your centering prayer practice? Um, walking. So, and, and so I actually, every day I walk and I, I use my daughter, my daughter lives with us. She's 20 um, at any point during the day. So if I can take a break in the middle of the workday, we take a 25 minute walk through the neighborhood or an evening walk. So walking definitely is something that I, I just love to do. And it's so, it's so easy to do is one, um, taking a coffee break. I'm, I, I love drinking French press coffee. So, and my wife loves coffee. So I'll, I'll stop what I'm doing and make, um, the French press coffee and sit down with my wife and then we'll have a 15 minute coffee break together. And, and sometimes I incorporate centering prayer into the French press process. So I'll, after you've made it in the press, it has to steep for four minutes. So I'll, I can, I'll do a centering prayer sit for four minutes while I wait um, for the coffee to steep and then I'll pour it and then 
sit down with my wife. So um, coffee breaks. And then I even do, and I have this here. I actually, I have it with, I have a, it's a prayer rope. Oh, cool. um, and I'll, I'll sometimes use this when I pray or even outside of the, my, well, I'll use it maybe before the practice or after the practice. And I'll shorten the Jesus prayer to mm -hmm. say, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on. And I'll, on the knot, and I'll say it could be my son's name. Then I'll say, Jesus, I'm going to have mercy on it. Could be my wife, and I'll keep making my way through this prayer rope until I think I'm done with what I needed to pray. And in fact, sometimes, and I guess I didn't, I could have worn it during this. I'll actually will just put it on, and I wear it during the workday. I mean, God is always with me, but it's kind of a nice reminder. I just need to touch it. Um, so often, because I'm at home and I can do it, and I'll wear the prayer rope just around my neck um, while I'm working, and I view it as God and I partner. And so those are some of the things I do, walking, coffee breaks, journaling, um, and the Jesus prayer with, with this prayer rope. No, it's fantastic. Thank you. Um, you mentioned some books at the beginning, so the, uh, if you, maybe you'll just repeat some of these, but if you're going to look at like take two or three books and maybe not even about centering prayer, but if other than the scriptures, like what are two or three books that you consider to be transformational for you in your life? Sure. Well, I, I guess Thomas Keating's book um, was just tremendous. Open Mind, Open Heart is, is just a, a terrific book on centering prayer to read. He just had, an, he had a really neat way of explaining what happened in centering prayer and making it easy for people to read and understand. Um, and, he, and he had injected some of his humor into it, which was fun. And, and in that book, there's a lot of Q&A where, where he did retreats with groups of people. So in the book is like a question, and then he'd answer it as part of the book format. So that book I found very helpful, and I've read it a couple times. Um, the Path of Centering Prayer by David Frenette, for someone that has had a practice for maybe a couple of years and wants to deepen their practice, um, he talks a lot about how to deepen your practice and contemplative attitudes to take. So I thought that was a great book. And then even going outside of Centering Prayer, uh, Martin Laird, mm -hmm. An Ocean of Light, which is his most recent book, he just is tremendous to read and listen to with how he describes what happens in the silence. So th those three books have been really helpful for me, and I've read each one of them a, a couple times. Okay, well, thank you. And where can listeners find out more about you? Maybe tell us a little bit about your, your coaching practice that you offer and then, you know, how can folks find you and connect with you? Again, they should go out and check out your, your, your book, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. But where, where, where can they find you online if they want to find a little bit more about you, Rich? Sure. The, the easiest place is just my website, and I'm glad the name was available, uh, silenceteaches.com, because that's, that's really what happens in the silence. So silenceteaches.com. If they subscribe to my website, they'll get my free, I have a short ebook on Centering Prayer that they'll automatically get. And then they can just start perusing my website. If they want to learn more about my book, my book is on the website. If they want to learn more about working with me on one-on-one -on -one coaching, I have a coaching page. And if they want to invite me, uh, if they have a church or a group or a book group, and they want me to come speak, I have an invite me to speak page. And I've spoken at many different groups, whether they're centering prayer groups, book groups, um, and those types of groups that just want to have someone come in and talk and someone they can ask questions to. So that's the best place is silenceteaches.com to find me and, and what I'm doing and what I'm up to. 
That's great. And I, I love the, I actually love the, your website, Silence Teach. That's such a powerful uh, statement and it goes good with your, with your message. Again, I want to thank you so much for the, your generosity with your time. Thank you for sharing what God's been doing in your life through, through the ministry that you have of, of teaching and, and through your book. And it's just been wonderful to have you on the show today, Rich. No, thanks for having me. Uh, I enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm grateful that you reached out. Yeah. Well, thank you, friends, for listening all the way to the end of this episode. And until next time, live by faith, be known by love, and be voices of hope in the world. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. Really grateful to have you as a listener. If you found this episode helpful, would you share it with your friends through your social media or just by word of mouth or by email? I'd also appreciate it if you'd leave a review so that other that will help other people to find it. And again, I mentioned my book, uh, Centering Prayer, How Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. It will be released in September, September 14th, uh, to be precise, of 2021. If you'd like some information and be put on the mailing list, I'll send you some information about Centering Prayer and updates. You can check out centeringprayerbook.com, or you can go to Amazon and you can actually pre-order it already. Again, so grateful to have you as a listener, and we will talk to you next week.